is Digital Marketer. This week, we have the General Manager of Digital Marketer, Justin Rondo. Hello and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely. And buckle up, because this episode covers just about everything under the sun. (laughs) I brought in Digital Marketer's GM, Justin Rondo, to give us an update and a peek under the hood of everything that's been happening here at Digital Marketer since the end of the year. We'll be digging into the new channels we're going to be exploring in 2020. One with yours truly, that's me. (laughs) We're going to talk about our most successful acquisition funnel, along with a few mishaps we had along the way, where we've had to make pivots, and a little bit about our search for a new in-house paid media manager and a few personnel shifts that really taught us a lot about disrupting those natural silos that happen after a team expands and begins to function independently. So there's so much good stuff here. I really hope you enjoy it. Here it is. So the last time we talked, it was all focused on the launch of Insider. Mm -hmm. Obviously, check. Off the list. We've <laughs> well, done you, well, you'd think so, but <laughs> no, it's perpetually on a list somewhere with okay. um, kind of, well, one, just monitoring things and then making sure that like, you know, it's performing the way we'd want it to. Mm-hmm. And then is it still like a useful and sensical journey for somebody that's coming in? Right. Whether they're cold audiences or people that we've talked to before that didn't know that this level existed. So it's always being worked on. And sometimes you're like, oh, this one thing's just going to kill it. And it just doesn't. <laughs> because I, I know a lot of the shortcomings on that page. Mm-hmm. Like, well, in, in that funnel, like in general, especially when they got to kind of the final step, we just would lose like maybe 75% of people because mm-hmm. there was just complete and utter confusion. Oh. So they'd get there and kind of throw out the entire thing. We're like, hey, you can become an insider, totally free, da 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 da, no credit card required, blah, 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 blah. And then, we have an upsell page and kind of the fact is that nobody reads anything ever. Yeah, Uh, just skim and look at pictures. (laughs) Yeah, and by the time they got there, it was like, cool. Like, there's a headline, like, your insider account's been made. There's actually a nice video with Justina on there. We show them, like, their username and password and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Actually, we didn't do that before. Before, it was a whole other thing. But um, even still, like, people are still confused when they get there. Like, hey, wait a second. I thought this was going to be free. I didn't Mm. think think I'd need to give a credit card or anything there. So there's just... Complete and utter confusion. Yeah. That's not great for people Mm because confused people generally don't convert. Yeah. With the really the main goal, uh, it's great if we can get um, people to take a trial right away there. But I think that because of our investment in the application and all the changes we've made there, rebuilding it from the ground up, making sure that we're trying to have the best experience for people when they get into the application. If we're losing 75% of them Mm. on that page and they're not even logging in. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then if you're following up with them, because we always have follow-up campaigns at that level, saying, hey, you know, you should check this thing out. There's stuff happening, da 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 But if they're confused there and they feel like they were burned there, they're not going to log in. And we're spending, you know, around like $5.50, $6 an insider from paid media. That can end up being a real big waste of money from an acquisition perspective if, if you don't get that under control and get them into the application. Yeah. Do you feel like that kind of happened because we had a couple different goals that were different. So for example, we want insiders because insiders lead to trials and trials lead to subscriptions. So it's hard to separate them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting just kind of where my headspace is right now in terms of how I'm looking at leads in general, which can be a whole other discussion. But um, (laughs) 
But yeah, I think we're, we're trying to serve two masters with mm-hmm. this and we'll, we will be testing out some new things. I know initially we only had, you know, fill up parts of your information, question, question, upsell page, and then log in. So mm-hmm. you turn that upsell page. If you turn it down, you log in. Or if you turn it down and don't click the no thanks to log in, you disappear. Then we wanted to make it feel more like a, a process. So we added a bit more friction in so that they knew they were clearly creating an account. And we think if they were creating an account and then they get this pitch, it'll feel a little more natural because mm-hmm. like, hey, I created this password, I did this stuff. So we added a th- another step after the kind of main demographic questions that we had mm-hmm. at step two and step three, where we have them generate their password. <sighs> in theory, <laughs> in theory, that should work. Yeah, It didn't. Pretty much when people got to that password step, we saw a really big increase in just exit rates uh, mm. in the funnel uh, to the degree of being more than the first two steps combined and significantly more than than mm. those. We were running at about 4% drop-off rate when we launched this thing. I think I said that metric before when we last talked. But now it's more like we see like a 16%. Yeah. So that's not great. Because if you think about that as well, too, like I said, like we've been seeing our, our cost per lead go up. Like we've been scaling up some of our ads and reinvesting in our ad campaigns. But it doesn't help when you when you put in something that, you know, quadruples drop off. Yeah. And that's just going to spike your cost per lead, which isn't great when you're trying to, you know, hey, look at all this money I'm putting into this. And you see a jump in kind of one of your biggest leading metrics hmm. there. What are some of the things that that we can do or even anybody else can do when they're seeing drop-off rates like this? One is just get rid of the damn step. In this case, we're actually not going to get rid of it. We have another idea and what we're going to be doing. So kind of spoiler alert for anybody. And also like, I know you guys go through our funnels and stuff that it really messes with my metrics. (laughs) I really should just start creating like swipe files with stats. So people stop going through those, like doing any sort of like proof of concept campaigns or split testing with this audience. Like I love you guys and gals <laughs> so much, but you have given me so many false positives in my <laughs> over five years at digital marketer. It's insane. But really what we're thinking is we're going to keep that step one. Cause I'm lazy because we have all of our tracking built around some of those step numbers and kind of stuff that goes through. And so we kind of mess with a lot of stuff. And I also think if we ask the right question there, we can make the experience on the next page significantly better. Mm. And so we'll be asking a different set of questions. Anybody that's in DM Engage may have seen Ryan ask a question about, you know, why'd you join Lab? And we had some really interesting answers yeah, there. And I, what we're going to test out is we're going to put instead of create your password, it's going to go and say, you know, what are you trying to achieve? Mm. by becoming an insider. And it'll be kind of the top four responses that we saw in there. And based off of those responses, we'll dynamically change the next experience. Oh, that's um, cool. So it'll be like, hey, your insider account's been created, but like you just said, hey, like I really am interested in, you know, just working on a product launch or something mm-hmm. like that. Go, great, we have an execution plan for that, but that's only for our lab members. If you want to get this plus some other stuff, you can do that absolutely free for 14 days. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be doing proof of concept there for kind of four main use cases outside of the application. And then eventually what I want to do, because it requires more development time, so if this works, we'll just push people directly into the application and have that experience show up there. Mm, that's really cool. Okay, so that's like one thing (laughs) that we have going on. And I feel like it's really important. Obviously, insider is insider is insider. But there's also the insider that's the newsletter, which we spoke about with Ryan. And then insider, the status and account type that we talked about with you. So 
Now let's move on to Insider, the newsletter. Yeah, I really kind of like, I like how the Insider newsletter is a part of the Insider program, Mm -hmm. but damn, is that confusing? Mm -hmm. Like, as you just said it, and you'll notice like any person listening to this has, you know, launched multiple products and kind of gets kind of like into like, oh, we'll just like put these things together or, oh, let's keep naming construction similar. Like the fact that we've had two or three different iterations of HQ. Right. Um, shows that, oh, yeah, like we're really bad at naming stuff. <laughs> um, but really what it comes down to there is it is confusing. And it's something that we're trying to fix kind of in the funnel itself mm-hmm. I, and in CTAs on the blog because people on the blog might want a newsletter, but they might not want to be an insider. But if we say, hey, get this newsletter when you become an insider, ah, like not insider newsletter. So we can oh, we can yeah. we can frame it significantly significantly differently different Mm -hmm. we can we can do a better (laughs) job on that much better job than how i just worded that (laughs) but going back to the newsletter the newsletter has been really really interesting to see as it's grown i mean that was a list of people like we just kind of started from scratch Mm -hmm. and but really the process for that was hey entire digital marketer list here's just this content and i know ryan probably talked a lot about how we want to provide more value in the inbox mm-hmm. the inbox isn't going anywhere yeah and um, i was actually shooting some youtube videos yesterday which will be a good segue yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> into where we're, where we're going where we're going this quarter where the interesting thing about email is you're not really an interruption right people mm. are taking time out of their day to go through Right. So they've made a decision to interrupt whatever else they're doing throughout the day, whether that be something for fun or work, but they're setting time aside. Mm -hmm. And really the best people have like blocks where they check email and they just go through that. So really what you need to make sure you're doing, whether it's a a content mail, a newsletter, a promotional mail or anything there, you just have to stand out and provide a value Mm -hmm. and it needs to be self-evident. There's a lot of cool ways that you can do things with email, like in terms of like curiosity, blind subject lines, like what's in it for me type things. But really, you want to capitalize on the point that you have people that are in a seeking mode, right? Mm. It really, it's seek and destroy. It's like, I need to get through all these things and get rid of everything that's noise. Yeah. So when you're in email, you're, it's a very cool landscape to be in and it's not going to go anywhere, at least for, you know, the foreseeable future. I mean, there's still direct mail. That's not going anywhere. <laughs> but like, I mean, I mean, that one's kind of there. But that was the whole point of the newsletter was mm-hmm. we just felt like we weren't providing enough value. And so we said, hey, digital marketer list, here's just pure value. And it's interesting because our newsletter open rates are phenomenal. We had some downtimes mm-hmm. and we can talk a little bit about those. Um, and they're back up again. And we're holding ourselves to a really, really like intense metric there in terms of like what our goal is. I think anybody listening I was like, yeah, I think we can get 30 percent on our entire list. And that's a lot. <laughs> That's a really, really hard thing to do. And then I'm not going to be doing what most media publishers do and factor in like all views. I'm talking unique, right? which is that is a very lofty goal and something we're actually getting really close to. But the newsletter is tricky because another email metric that everybody pays attention to is obviously your click rate and mm-hmm. your click to open rate. But since we're providing value in the inbox, the click rate's going to be garbage. Right. Because yeah. we're, the whole point is it's a no-click email. We have links, and it's great if they click them. We get absolutely nothing for them because we're not self-promotional in those. We're just, it's just pure, like, mm-hmm. look at this in your inbox yep. and enjoy look it. Look at this, enjoy, read, stick around in there. So it's funny whenever we look at, when we report on metrics, because we have two on the email side that we're, we're looking at in terms of just one of our main strategic pillars, which is improve email engagement. And one of them is, you know, the click to open rate. And then you have this one thing that's like designed to have high open rates. 
but by its very nature, will have very, very low click rates. Yeah. Do you think it would be, I mean, this is not me speaking as like a suggestion person on your marketing <laughs> team, <laughs> but just as a podcast person, do you think it would be worth it if you don't want to measure click through mm-hmm. on Insider, would it be worth it to just not measure across all males? It and- would It would be. It's more work. Right. Okay. And then you're always going to have outliers. So, like, if you're like, hey, we're looking good here and we know that mm-hmm. this is going to have this impact. But on just the sheer volume of sends for that, it shouldn't have that much of an impact because it's not just an average of an average. You're looking at total sends versus total opens and total clicks like all together. So it's not terrible when you're looking in the aggregate, Mm -hmm. but it is something to pay attention to for sure. Some other things we're thinking of is just how do you have more engagement devices in there Mm -hmm. to boost that up, whether it be like with quizzes or anything like that. But how do we get more engagement devices in there to get people to be more than just passive participants? How do we turn them into active participants while staying within kind of the main vision of the newsletter, which is to provide an obscene amount of value at no cost? Yeah. What do you think are the next steps for those engagement yeah, I think, I mean, well, the easiest <laughs> the, the, the easiest thing are just like polls and quizzes. And then with gotcha. that, I'll lose that also games the uh, like our metrics. So, mm-hmm. I mean, people go bananas for quizzes and things like that. Like yeah. One of our one of our best tricks up our sleeves that we use during promotions is we'll do like a quiz or something and it actually sends them to the sales page and we have a pop up that hits tells them the answer. That's and cool. so they're fairly self-evident questions that they're going to be self-serving as well because mm-hmm. they'll be like, hey, like what's the second biggest search channel or something like that. And then it was for when we were doing a YouTube workshop. Yeah. Or I forget what it was. Execution plan. I don't know what the hell it was. <laughs> um, but we were promoting something that had to do with with video and YouTube. And so people would click the link they wanted. And then when they hit the page, a pop-up would be like, ah, oh, it's this. And da 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 If you want to get good at this, just close this window and take a look. Hmm. We have something on sale for you right now. Yeah. Um, generally, customer care gets a, If cookies are off, then, then we have a bit of a problem. And then in a... <laughs> future cookie-less world we might have some problems there <laughs> but all of them that's for another day <laughs> yeah well you know i've got my helmet on <laughs> the wheels are working and that segue mm. into youtube yes was beautiful oh thank I'm you just gonna ride that i bought a car for the first time in 10 years recently and I would go around the office just saying vroom vroom for a good couple weeks. So if anybody's listening, it's like, why are they laughing about this? It's because I'm the crazy person. I guess. He's excitable. Yeah, very much so. And now it's just like, you know, just banal. Like you're just like, oh, yes, I'm driving. Yeah. Uh, whereas before it was like, oh, my God, yeah. it's crazy. But yeah, going into the YouTube side of things, it's funny, like our YouTube strategy, we've well been completely unencumbered by strategy in the past. Um, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I know. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do. Like when people talk about, well, what are you doing with this? Like, well, there ain't none. And we've amassed like, I mean, I mean, digital marketers name has grown and grown over the years and mm-hmm. people sign up. And, and quite honestly, when we did an audit, we had a third party audit it and we worked and the team really, really dug in to see what was useful, what wasn't, what do we have to do to make sure the account can grow and be a useful channel for us? Because we just never did anything with it. Mm-hmm. And it is like, if not the second might be catching up to Google, like be like, hey, guess what? Maybe like people are doing more video searching at this point. But it was something we never really did. It was always an afterthought. Yeah. So one of our big goals after our strategic planning towards the end of the year was to develop a YouTube strategy that would both grow the channel and also become a source of traffic to some of our offers and blog posts Mm -hmm. and those things. So supporting our organic growth 
as well as kind of like organic leads and potentially then trials and those types of things through Ascension. Yeah, actually, by the time this episode comes out, yeah, y'all will be able to go to our YouTube and see the birth of mm-hmm. of the strategy, and we're doing a couple series. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we went through a lot of different iterations. I think where we went awry, and I think this is important for any business person listening to this. That's like, hey, how do I like start using that channel? I'm a YouTube aholic. I watch more YouTube than I watch any TV or mm-hmm. anything like that. And a lot of this came from my direction, which my bad, uh, <laughs> where I was really pushing like, hey, we need to get content consumption up on this thing, and we need to be thinking of edutainment or even just pure entertainment on those sides. But the fact of the matter is people aren't really searching for that. That's what a YouTuber's metric is. Mm -hmm. A YouTuber's metric will be pure views so that they can monetize. And then if you're doing that, then you're beholden to like the content wheel of death. Yeah. uh, That is YouTube development. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, for YouTubers, they need to produce at least a 10 minute long video every day. Wow. If they want to stay relevant and showing up in like new and those types of things. We just aren't going to be doing that we'll be shooting for like longer form content so you can get the most value out of it but the fact of the matter is like even with digital marketers branding and those things are people who might just be using youtube for business purposes we're not going to be showing up in like latest or new like because we're competing with entertainment we're competing with things that people like do to get away from work Mm -hmm. we needed we needed to be more intentional about the content we were creating in the types of series we were creating so that we would be able to get people who were in that educational space and like they're there to learn something. They're there to fix a problem. Mm -hmm. So we came up with kind of two concepts. One is with yours truly and I'm just talking at you (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) They're listicles Mm -hmm. at that point. So it's breaking down things that I think are are worthwhile like the email space, the optimization space, the ad space. Well, it'll expand or contract depending on if it works. Like I don't know if it's going to work. With all of those having more of a CTA at the end of like, hey, we have more examples of this on the blog. Go check this out. Or, oh, like insiders. get oh, okay. Here's a free gift for insiders. Click here to become an insider. I didn't realize that that was the, the CTA there. Yep. Yeah. So at first it was going to all be like lead magnets. But then we didn't have lead magnets in like the insider funnel um, right. that I wanted to do promotions on. So I was like, OK, we can try a couple of things like for the email subject lines post and lead magnet. We don't have it in that format yet for the, the standard funnel. So I don't want them filling out other things Mm -hmm. to get that. So I was like, well, I could send them to an insider thing, but I also want to test out like, what if we just said, like, I just told you five types of these things. We have 101 subject lines at this blog post that fit into these categories with data. And I could have gone further and said, and on that page, you can get access to all of them since 2014. Yeah. But really, really kind of like a simple sell at the end follows a very simple formula Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like the video. And then it's just kind of staying consistent on getting those out there. It's fun shooting those like all in a day. Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, the other series, actually, you you worked on. So you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a weird. I just I wasn't expecting to be interviewed today, Justin. Uh, Turning it around. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a marketing challenge series where we take two people from the office or maybe eventually some of our contributors, our Mm. experts, and we put them head to head in a challenge that's pretty dumb. (laughs) (laughs) So I think the first one that will come out will be writing a sales page or an email. And I'm not sure for the long Furby. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Google long Furby. Long Furby is. Yeah. Google it. 
that's the it stuff took over of, the office. Yeah. That took over the office that day we realized that this thing existed. <laughs> it's the stuff of dreams and nightmares. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of just supposed to be just more entertaining. Mm-hmm. It still has a marketing angle and it's fun to watch people challenge themselves with really silly, goofy things. And I think it just shows who we are as as a company. Yeah. And I think the, the cool thing about that, why we ended up going with that series when we were talking about, hey, we want to keep this at like education first and then kind of like entertainment second mm-hmm. on this, where what you get to do is you get to see people as they're working on something. And so you have an expert and kind of a novice yeah. doing it where it's really cool or like, we have some like on the graphic design side where you have like our like our lead designer like mm-hmm. going head to head with a guy that likes to cut faces out and put them on bodies <laughs> like in, in, in preview in, in preview yeah like <laughs> he does Photoshop yeah in preview. It, it's a really really cool concept and then you can start seeing techniques and those types of things which I think is a pretty neat thing my guess is those are gonna have more views and nicer comments <laughs> I feel like I'm just gonna get destroyed in the comment section youtube is a little scary i i had stress dreams like i don't get stressed out by a lot of things <laughs> but like because i've read so many youtube comments in my time i've never written one i've read so many and i'm just like dear god like, yeah and that's like also why it's like that's a good thing we're not going to be like trying to be youtubers we're trying yeah. to be a business that is utilizing youtube as a channel mm-hmm. which is a very important distinction yeah maybe that'll cut down on scary things because i read comments once on facebook mm-hmm. like for some of my videos I've done some for my ads <sighs> that I've been in. I don't like it. Like one, one, they weren't wrong. They're like, why does this guy look like he's going to cry the entire time in this video? And I was like, oh, like, man, my, my, my face is sad, I guess. Um, so that was a bummer. And it's funny, Doug, whenever I shoot with him, he's always just like, all right, now you have this ebb and flow in terms of like, you'll be really, really excited. And then you get mm-hmm. super serious or sad. Yeah. And especially at the end when you're asking people to do things, you just just really screw that up. <laughs> Can we not do that this time? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think I was more self-aware at that point. And I, I meant to shoot like a week ago. And it was one of those weeks, you know, when mm-hmm. and you're just like, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't fake it. And it, I really realized like, I think I had this point of pride. And so for really for anybody, if you're going to start doing any sort of video work, don't let a point of pride come up that's like, you know what? I can just wing it. I can do this off the top of my head. Right. I can just write some bullet points down, invest in a teleprompter or like something like that. No. Um, we use, I don't know what it's called. Um, we can probably ask Doug and put it in notes or something mm-hmm. like that. But the camera goes through it and it's like a mirror. It's mm-hmm. like a one-sided mirror. And then it's doing like the teleprompt from an iPad mm-hmm. and it's showing up there. I've never scripted anything ever before. And I know people who've seen my videos are probably like, well, no Uh, (laughs) not much of a script guy but I remember after that Friday I was just like man I I sucked up a storm Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get over it and I like I really do live that core value of like never let your team down and I was like how do I make sure I don't do that again and so I for the four videos I I shot which we were shooting for them to be around eight to twelve minutes a piece Mm -hmm. I wrote a script for all of them it didn't take that long because really if you're an expert in what you do yeah you should be able to write about it and write like you talk Use contractions, use those things because it will, as you're reading them, you'll be like, hey, I need to follow this. And then you're going to stumble. But it was the smoothest shoot I've ever done. Like hands down, like we knocked out the four videos in less than an hour Mm -hmm. and I felt super confident on it. And I was like, you could see like in other ones, like you won't see them in that order that I shot them. But I was way more comfortable by the end of it and it just kind of like got to have fun i would throw quips in and then it got really easy where if i riffed on something that i didn't have written i was like let me go on that and i was like hey could you scroll that back to like about where it's at but don't have that level of pride i used to have that level of power like 
who needs a script? Yeah. I do. Um, <laughs> I absolutely do. And it's going to mm-hmm. it cut down on shoot time. It cut down, it's going to cut down on editing time. Yeah. And it's just going to sound and look so much better because normally when, when I'm riffing, and anybody who's riffing in videos, you're aware of all these different things that are happening. Like you're like, okay, I need to make sure I don't screw up the intro. Okay, is my energy going good right now? How am I doing right. this? Am I keeping it? Am I smiling? What's happening? Like, am I do? What am I doing with my hands? Oh gosh, like I forgot to say this one point. How do? And then, it's, and then you'll be mid sentence and you just stop. <laughs> like I remember, I was doing one and I started with a really easy one for me, which is anything landing page or conversion rate optimization. Mm-hmm. That stuff's just I can do it in my sleep. And I was like, cool, I'm going to talk about the four overarching points for landing pages. I was like, the first one is the offer. And da, 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 I and, and then I was like, Doug, I can't do this. Like that was because I, I felt within three minutes of doing an intro where I screwed up on the first line mm-hmm. where I was like, hi, I'm Jason. No, damn it, Justin. <laughs> um, and then was going into something. I was like, no, I'm going to I'm going to either miss something that's important and it's not going to provide the value that it should to the viewer mm-hmm. or it's just going to come off crappy. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm kind of really embracing a lot of like do things differently <laughs> this yeah. time around because you, you'll get the same results if you don't change a thing. Mm-hmm. So how do you pivot and how do you change? And I think that's what we're seeing by moving into the YouTubes. <laughs> we never took it that seriously for a while. And we got no results. Yeah. <laughs> and I think anytime you're running into subpar results or you're just kind of like average or flat, it's not a matter of just doing more of what you were doing. You have to fundamentally pivot. Yeah. Which I think is what's really cool for this organic strategy for us. Even on the paid side of things for us, we've been using an outsourced agency. Like we run all the strategy and those types of things, been using agencies forever. And we've jumped around between them with the belief, and I, I do believe that agencies are f- phenomenal for things like media, mm-hmm. but where they miss is they don't understand the product or the nuances. Mm. They're not there all day, every day, yeah. kind of living it. Yeah. Um, and that's where things get lost in translation and things get kind of screwed up. So we're like, hey, we can keep kind of doing this or we could really double down on this and bring somebody in. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully by the time this thing airs, we've hired somebody. Yeah. Um, that's probably one of the hardest positions I've ever had to hire for. Mm. It's nuts. But it's pretty cool to see that. But also that makes us think, all right, like we've primarily been on Facebook. We did Google subpar for probably like three years. Uh, We really kind of got that dialed in over the past like eight months. Yeah. But we have some really high-end B2B products. I mean, we're B2B as it stands, but like for certified partners, for HQ, and then for something to be announced later, (laughs) open loop. (laughs) But... We aren't on one of the main platform for people mm-hmm. that are kind of being in that mindset, like with LinkedIn. I think that there's opportunities there, but because we don't have somebody kind of that's living and breathing our offerings, our understanding, knows our customer, knows their pain points, knows our, mm-hmm. our character diamond and is just there all day, every day. Yeah. We can't expand to new platforms yet. Yeah. But I think that as we bring somebody in, we'll be able to expand out those. And that I think the easiest thing for us to do is to start on the organic side because that takes the longest and then now that we're dialing in a lot of a lot of the paid stuff and really reinvesting there because I mean we used to spend gosh like quarter million three hundred thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. on paid media and then we just dialed it back we just yeah. like we wanted to like start over because we were seeing like so much creep in terms of like cost per trials cost per leads cost per leads were always kind of under control but a lead isn't a lead isn't a lead so to say because like depends on where they're coming from right. or those things like are they actually going to turn into anything are they just database expansion um, yeah. for the sake of expansion so hmm. that's when we cut down a lot there and we've just been able to grow consistently 
like every quarter. It's a lot more intentional. Yes. So when you're looking for a paid media person, Mm -hmm. what are you looking for? My guess is someone who's a little bit of a scientist, a little bit of a creative. Yeah. Like I really want somebody who kind of understands from the channel side, like they're kind of in there every day and they're kind of like more of a gardener. So they do need to understand, like, the technical side of things, whether that be um, being able to go, oh, gosh, like, our pixels aren't firing on this because, like, look at the spike here, da, 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 there's something. like. But they really should be maintaining because for us, like, the ad account's been kind of running, right? Yeah. So we have historic stuff in there. But I need people who are looking at that and have kind of risk thresholds and those types of things that know when to pull the levers accordingly. And, yeah, so I think more on the on the science side – it's great if they have creative ideas, but there's a reason we have a creative team. Right. But they should be like having swipe files and those things and mm-hmm. be like, hey, we should try something like this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely more on the living and breathing in the account and understanding how our acquisition funnels work and how we just ascend people through the value journey. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have that, then you have people that are like they'll f- hyper focus on either just like the subscribe stage yeah. or like the ascend phase. Mm-hmm. So if you have people who are only focused in those areas and doing those bags of tricks, it's not terribly great because they might be like, oh, I have all these great like ideas for new ways to generate leads. It's like, great, but how does that, you know, get them to this next step, mm-hmm. right? And so I think you need to have some creative acumen, but more or less you got to be living in the, this is how I scale. Yeah. This is how I identify winners. This is what I'd expect if we went from, $1,500 a day on this one campaign to 3000 and mm-hmm. here's the results I could expect from here. They need to be, be precise. They need to be a surgeon at yeah. that level. You don't need strategists. Hmm. You don't need somebody who's just like, I like marketing strategy. It's like, cool, me too. Right. Like, this is a role where you're living in the platform yeah. and, and doing the doing the day-to-day. So just for anybody listening that might be hiring for this kind of position or even going out for this mm-hmm. kind of position, what are some questions that you've asked that felt like this is really telling me something about this person? Yeah, I think the big one that I've been asking where I kind of know that they're not a fit for this role because of what our monthly budgets are. Yeah. Like it's kind of like tell me a time of an account that you've scaled from X to Y or within in that threshold. Generally, they don't have Y. Or then I'll ask, I just do like problems. Yeah. Where it's like, all right, say you had a campaign that was running this, da 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 Target is here. We've been hitting that target the last couple of months. We want to now put, pour some more spend in there. What would you do? What would your process be? Because you don't just double a campaign. Right. You can't. And so if they said something like, oh, I, you just do it. It's like, no, get out of <laughs> here. You have to slowly kind of scale it up. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? And then what's the diminished return? Like, is it a 90% efficiency, 80%? Like, what are you thinking? Um, yeah. So really, <laughs> first couple questions I ask, it's, hey, how comfortable are you with like, always being in the account because mm-hmm. um, we did get a lot of people that were just on the strategy side right? because this position is very much a you're doing it. Then it's kind of digging into experience and then other stuff. It's like, how do you stay up to date on things? The biggest case I can have for going the agency route and why we did it for so long was that agencies are always working with different types of clients and they have to stay up to the most up to date things. Employees, sorry to say this, can get lazy Mm-hmm. They can get stuck in their ways and go, hey, this is how I've always done it. It's fine. I've done that. Right. A lot of people do that. 
I still use GoToWebinar because <laughs> despite <laughs> like I'm starting to turn into one of those relics where I'm like, oh, let's have a Skype call. Like <laughs> it's it's insane. Like there's certain things that you just don't change, even though there's better solutions, mm-hmm. whether it be from a technology perspective, ad platform perspective, yeah. or creative, or even anything. So you want to make sure you have somebody that that's staying up to date on things and mm-hmm. and, and hungry there. But really, this is such a performance based role. Like yeah, it's, it's you either do it or you dry. don't. It, it's it's probably the closest to a sales role you get on the marketing side because hmm. marketing can be fairly subjective. That's why you have to work so damn hard on defining goals, defining what success looks like, updating on those things because marketing can get way too subjective. And then you have someone who thinks they're doing a good job, and then you're like, you're not doing a good job. But it could be one of those cases of like, hey, fish, climb a tree. <laughs> and in this case, this is one of those roles that's not. It's like, hey, what's our return on ad spend? What's our cost per lead? What's our CPA? What are we looking at for kind of the velocity of return? Mm-hmm. Where are we? At any given time, they need to know those numbers. That's kind of like the rule around the digital marker office in general, too, is kind of like know your numbers. Like I know Ryan can walk in my office and be like, what's this? I'm like, bah! <laughs> <laughs> like I just am obsessive about Sometimes those. you just shout them I know, without sometimes, anybody yeah. asking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is the time in the morning when I shout. <laughs> But yeah, like I said, this has been hands down probably the hardest role I've had to hire for mm-hmm. because it's such a crucial one. Yeah. And because paid media is one of the sexiest things kind of out there. And a lot of the best ones don't like want to freelance and want to do those things. And and that's just not acceptable for yeah, me at this point. You can make, I mean, yeah, the fact is you can make so much money uh-huh. doing it if you do it right. And we want to find someone who's that mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's interesting too, because I talked to some people that they had consultancies and, and then they were like thinking about going to work mm-hmm. for others. And the the fact of the matter is you can make a lot more money doing it, but it's not the only thing you're doing. Right. You're invoicing people. <laughs> you're doing, yeah. you're looking for new business. You're mm-hmm. maintaining relationships. You're not just kind of like some person that's just, Hey, I'm going to find the best way to get the biggest return yeah. I possibly can. Mm-hmm. So, We've talked a lot about places we've stumbled, where we've had to pivot, things we weren't paying attention to. What are some successes we've seen since we last talked? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the biggest successes are really how we've been generating just kind of our new lead machine has Mm. been through Insider. So Mm -hmm. I think that that I just assumed everybody knew like it was going swimmingly when I was talking about it because I'm just doing the standard thing I do, which I'm actually working on like as a leader (laughs) where I don't just like be like, oh yeah, but I don't even say that's great. I just go, cool, but what about this? Yeah, like biggest, you look at the TV and find the one pixel that yeah, isn't fu- like working. Exactly, <laughs> and it's it, that's it's a terrible habit as a leader, and it's something mm-hmm. that I'm trying to like stop doing. But I did that to listeners, and they don't, they're like, why are you guys even doing this thing? It sounds terrible, <laughs> but it's not. It's actually been a really really good way for us to expand our database. And I mean, we have a pretty large list as it stands, and now we're seeing like some serious positive net growth, not from an increase in spend. We did increase spend after we proved something with a reallocation of budget where what we were doing was we were like, hey, all right, we want to get this number of insiders. That's the number. We wanted to get to 15,000 regularly each month by the end of March. We hit in January just about 12.5K without an increase in spend there where what we were doing was we reallocated and then we did add some spend to top funnel because we need to make sure that we're bringing in and expanding our audience Mm -hmm. so that we just didn't have a high frequency for anything at the mid funnel that was focused on lead magnets and insider. And this was also at the same time that I added that password field in there. And so we saw a spike in some of the CPLs there. But I know once we get those down and I pull that thing out, 
we would probably only need to see like maybe a 5% increase in budget to hit our 15,000 goal. Wow. So that's really, really neat. That's so really good. That's worked really well. And then one of the things you'll notice whenever we ask you certain questions, we'll ask, are you an agency? Da, 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 da. Those route to our sales team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go through a few automations when they're assigned to a sales rep. And in a perfect world, they shouldn't be getting anything from Active Campaign from our main list, but sometimes they do because technology. <laughs> we were doing some prospecting for the sales team there. And I mean, I know me talking with a, our head of sales, Michael, we chat a lot about like, gosh, we're just sitting on millions of dollars in terms of like what our database is yeah. and being able to mine that, which is why they've been expanding the team, like finding like SDRs or anything mm-hmm. there. But we haven't had, and this is crazy to me, and I had this realization on Monday. Oh. We haven't had a dedicated spend going to our partner program since October. Holy crap. Okay. Yeah. And when you have a sales team that had their best month outside of an event ever mm-hmm. last month without that much support there, oh my gosh. And an event being one that we run. Yeah. Run. Yeah. The traffic, <laughs> like, r- like outside of traffic, like <laughs> outside of traffic and conversion summit. So <laughs> they almost beat that. Wow. And that's what's insane. And they just hit me over the head where I was like, golly, like, stupid like like why didn't i think about this and it really just made me rethink our ad account as a whole and i remember i had these thoughts for a while and then i just like said don't think about these anymore (laughs) because we had run a few things and there's actually i think my presentation last year at tnc Mm -hmm. when i talked about like things that worked and like one thing that really didn't yeah and we were trying to expand the number of conversions in facebook to hit a certain level so we could get better results Mm -hmm. because out the gate you need to try to get a certain number if you're going to be optimizing for that result you need to be able to get a certain number of those results in a timely fashion so how do we do that we expanded our audience we expanded it to kind of countries that we don't particularly serve all that well Mm -hmm. because i mean i mean the main reason we focus on kind of like the big five for us or all six now is because our products aren't in any other language Mm -hmm. and we don't have a support team that speaks any other languages so we can't do a whole lot of good for people if that's not the primary or even like secondary language there. So we look at actually the sixth one now is like India. Okay. India, India, we actually get a lot of great partner applications and things mm. like that from. It's been really cool. Yeah. And so it's been neat to see that one kind of break in. But from a holistic point of view, and this was kind of the big duh moment I had back then, I thought this and then I get and I put it deep into my brain because I was like, yeah, if I can get enough applications and if the, the value per application is this within you know, whatever time the close date is. And then in two months, it's worth this. Mm -hmm. That means what I'm willing to spend goes up dramatically and it becomes almost your ad account Slack adjuster. So if you look at the ad account holistically, which you should be looking at, like like you shouldn't expect your, your top funnel content to ROI break even. You should expect that to support kind of your mid funnel stuff. You're building audiences out. You're doing that type of work. It should be used to support mid funnel and bottom funnel. But if you looked at that and you said, we will only run ads that are ROI break-even immediate within 30 days, then you can no longer run content ads. Hmm. You just can't. So we got so hyper-focused on trials. And the thing that's crazy about trials, like, yes, that's a measure for us forever because we're a subscription business. But like, if we're optimizing for trials, I mean, one, you're at the mercy of the old rollover rate. <laughs> yeah. And two, like, it's not a terribly expensive product they're buying. Mm-hmm. So if you're generating a trial and you see a 50% rollover rate, which was us, I think 54 was us at our best and we're dropped a little bit from there and we're trying to catch back up. 
but let's just say 50%, that means your cost per trial doubles for your CPA, which means even if we were like at a hundred, like 90 bucks a trial, or let's just say a hundred bucks a trial, it means it's $200 an account. If an account's $95, yeah, that means it's three billing cycles before I'm going to make my money. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies can float that type of stuff. I think there's a way that we can do that and be like, not just ROI break even, but making massive amounts of profits if we go back to that that model of like how do I optimize for for a lot of applications on the sales side because our sales team is more dialed in than I've ever seen them. Yeah. And I'm really, really excited to start like kind of like feeding up those opportunities again, the feedback loop between marketing and sales. We actually had a the sales kind of ops manager join the marketing team for uh, I think about a quarter. Yeah, so, that was great. So that she could see how everything functioned. And now that she's back on the sales team, the communication and feedback is so good. That's great. It's crazy. And I can go, hey, hey, Devin, loose numbers here. Like, what's the value per application for you? Mm-hmm. And she can go, oh, give me a second. And tells me what it is. And I go, okay, I think it might be a little bit more than that. But she's way more, um, I think, in. cautious. She's oh. way more cautious <laughs> than I am, which I don't blame her. <laughs> but she's so tuned into everything mm-hmm. that's happening on the sales side and the marketing side where it makes it really easy for me to be confident in saying, you know what? I want to double down on all of my spend and go here on partners. So I don't want to take anything away for what I'm doing here. I think that if I increase, if I like add an additional like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars, that focuses just on partners, that our account as a whole becomes extremely profitable, and then we can use those profits to kind of float that period of time between us getting somebody from a, a trial to a rollover to them being profitable from that. Yeah, campaign. you know, I think there's something to be said too about that inner team Mm -hmm. function because we just promoted two people from within that I think are going to have a huge impact on how we function. So Justina, formerly our community manager on the product team, is now our marketing coordinator, writing copy and sending emails and measuring Mm. some of our... Measuring all email campaigns. Measuring all of our email campaigns. <laughs> Sorry, I have Not just some. I was like, Not just some. You fill it in. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I get what you're putting down. Yeah. And then Michelle from mm-hmm. formerly Partner Success Manager on our monetization certified mm-hmm. partner side is now our community manager yep. moving to product. And that brings so much knowledge over to our team about the certified partners and their needs. And mm-hmm. it's just like. It's actually pretty wild because if you look at the blind spots that each team had, mm-hmm. they, they're no longer blind spots anymore because people were moved in. So to color the picture for everybody, on the marketing side, we're great at understanding our avatars. Like we define them, we prove, blah, 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 blah. But we don't really talk a whole heck of a lot to the people. Mm-hmm. That's, that needs to change in general. But an, an easy way for us to kind of like cheat code it was to take the person that talks to our community <laughs> all the time, constantly, constantly <laughs> and move her over to the team mm-hmm. um, to really be that voice of the customer, voice of the product. And, as, and you'll, you'll start seeing in some, in some of our promotions, our content, our member emails, you'll start seeing those kind of really, really have a different feel to them, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm really, really excited about. But the other thing that ended up happening when we shifted kind of the duties for like our certified partner program, specifically content creation, partner training days and those things, we moved that over to the product team. You have a product team that's like, ah, <laughs> we don't normally do this. Like what's going on? And we did several trainings. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and it was all going to be fine. But again, another cheat code is what if we took 
an account manager who really, really, really is invested in community and mm-hmm. community development, whether that be in the you know digital space or even in the actual world, mm-hmm. and have her come over because then she brings a wealth of knowledge yeah. there as well. So it's really utilizing like your internal resources as a way to cover your blind spots. Yeah. Which I think Kevin did really well too with where mm-hmm. um, we were looking at kind of product development. We went very, very much on the tech side, mm-hmm. but we were so focused on that. We weren't doubling down on some of the content. Like the content we were creating is great, but we didn't have just like someone who was, we didn't have an overarching curriculum. like curriculum. Mm-hmm. And that's why we had moved somebody who was kind of more focused on the cert side of things to look at this as an overarching curriculum yeah. and take a lot of the product side off of Kevin's plate because Kevin's natural genius mm-hmm. is really in kind of the the user experience, the design of the product, making yeah. sure things are functioning there, setting the pace for, mm-hmm. for the team because he shouldn't be creating those products. But it gets him to not have to, you know, work like 150% more to get like 70% (laughs) of the result than if you Mm -hmm. just kind of get somebody who's like where their native genius is at the curriculum side of it. Yeah, and I I think what's great about all of it too is they're all talking to one another. You know, Justina and Michelle naturally have to deal with this transition of moving to different teams and taking over community. So they're still chatting. It's it's not siloed. It's super connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just some really incredible things on the horizon, I mm-hmm. think. If anybody is like, if you're looking at personnel or you're like, hey, if you've noticed blind spots, which they're the hardest things to notice, to really start looking at like who on the team can for a short stint help mm-hmm. like Devin or maybe they're no longer in the right role yeah. and they need to move over to another one that's going to for the long term, really, really support. Like for for Devin, she just needed to understand how the marketing people think and work. Mm -hmm. That's what she needed and that's what she got. And that's why that's like infinitely better. Mm -hmm. For things like the marketing team and the product team, that's where we needed a more long-term shift. So I think it's a really good good exercise to, hey, look at your people, like look at what they do, what their native genius is, and kind of like what tribal knowledge they might have. Mm -hmm. Because that type of stuff is going to help. Because I mean, Gosh, Michelle's been here like since before. This, oh, she before hired time. Ryan Dice. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's that's what we say. we say. That's the joke we say. Yeah, she, she she's been here longer than time itself. She transcends time and space. Yeah. So she brings a whole level of tribal mm-hmm. knowledge to that position, and because she's been so focused on like kind of, uh, and she'd been running the CP community for so long. Mm-hmm. So it's a really cool thing to see. So so really identify what are people's native geniuses, what do they currently do, and are they excelling? Is how you've set them up putting them in a way to actually utilize that. Mm-hmm. And then two, like what sort of tribal knowledge do they know that where they can help support in a short term or a long term period? There it is. Woo! I feel like we covered just about everything we, got a lot. we could have covered. <laughs> we should have you back on in a few months yeah. and get a little update. Cool. Sounds um, good. Yeah. So to all of you listening out there <laughs> tonight on the long road, <laughs> that's my Delilah. <laughs> wow. Delilah. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) to everyone that joined us thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your day each week it Mm. means everything if you like this subscribe give us a little review let us know what you want to hear more about what you'd like to know maybe you want justin to dive deeper on one of the many things we covered today yeah so i just hope you're having an awesome awesome day and weekend and we'll see you same time same place well it might not be the weekend when they're listening it's true it might be like Five years into the future. It's like, this is our time capsule. You realize that, right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to listen to this. This and is our legacy. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I was once so young. <laughs> so, so young. Yeah. Well, 
Thanks, Jessa. Thanks, Jenna. Bye, y'all. Bye. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.